the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to connect to Let's Talk Kingdom Radio Show, where we dive into God's Word and Kingdom topics. Best things we do is give to the needy around us. We are giving to people who are needing groceries and gas to get to work. And as a partner, a percentage of that is going towards people who need it right around us. Thanks for your partnership. Stay tuned for today's Kingdom Topic. Here's Olivia with today's message. Welcome to Let's Talk Kingdom. My name is Olivia Barrett and I get to host this show. It is just one of the best things that happens in my week is connecting to kingdom topics, things that are happening in scripture and how it relates to us through our day, through our week, how we're actually functioning with news that's happening, right? Like all of these things. And so just welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Um, I wanted just to start out with a really interesting story, and it's funny, you know, how God will connect things that you're, you know, facing, going through, uh, with how he wants to show you something in the Bible. It's amazing to me how he does that, and um, I actually have recently discovered (laughs) that, uh, you know, as I've looked over just past business experiences that I've had, Um, no matter how great they were, I mean, I've had some really great moments. Like we've had some big things happen, you know, that have been so wonderful in Todd's business. You know, even before that I was doing businesses and there have been really big moments. I mean, even, you know, business on a volunteer level and they have been really successful, but I want to tell you, and this is me just sharing this with you. You know, even in these successful moments, I would still have this strange feeling of failure. And I could never understand that. I just remember thinking, you know, if I keep celebrating what I'm seeing God do, then this feeling of failure is going to leave. Like, it's going to just go. It has to, right? Because, you know, it doesn't make sense. Like, it's taking up space, but right now... You know, we're seeing God move through something, you know, something that a team did or something, you know, a big goal that got crushed by, you know, somebody, um, you know, in our business world. I mean, whatever it was, it felt like I'm going to celebrate because I know that's what's happening. I know that's what God is doing. And so, you know, here recently um, I was asked to write an article and it was actually pretty big (laughs) and I was stumped. I mean, it took me forever, it felt like. And it was was like in the 11th hour before it was due. And I was like, God, what is happening? Every time I'm thinking about, you know, my past business, um, either whether it was in, you know, a profit business or volunteering and I was creating teams and business out of those things, like, I feel like a failure and I don't know where you want me to go with this article. And so I just started talking it out. I was like, okay, God, like, I just want to talk this out. I want to talk through what I remember. And I started 
um, in this one moment where I really had made a choice to leave a business um, and it was kind of the root of where some of this failure had come from. It was actually at, the, at a great spot of growth and I knew I needed to step out because of some things that God had been doing in my life and so I chose to do that and it was really hard because um, a person that I really trusted ended up shaming me as I was leaving that and it's interesting how I perceived that moment because um, I really had grown close to this person, but the way that they were treating me, it was obvious that we were not going to be friends anymore. And so I took that loss, that loss of friendship, and then that decision of stepping out of that business in a spot of growth as a spot of failure. And it's actually where this root of failure started um, growing. And I, it's crazy to say it like that, but this is kind of what God was showing me. And I, then I started walking through all these years I've had in business. And, you know, there's been quite a few. I mean, running my husband's business for 15 years, there were businesses before that. Um, there were volunteer businesses, even while I was, you know, running my husband's business. Um, and then now, you know, being here with you guys, it's like, okay, I've had a lot of experience in this. Um, I'm seeing God do amazing things but wow, God talked to me about this failure piece. And it was interesting. I walked through all these years, right? Like all these business experiences. And as I was approaching 2022 in this conversation with him, I was recognizing I didn't experience failure. It wasn't like how it had been before, but I, I knew that the emotion and the feeling was still there. And so he just took me in this beautiful place in my mind of healing and basically showed me that it wasn't dry land anymore. You know, my perspective made it dry every time I'd look over all these experiences. And um, and he had given me in this picture, you know, I, I'd seen kind of a barren land now covered with grass. And I could see this yellow flower inside of the grass. And um, as I went to go pick it up, I could see that it was beautiful and it was open. And, you know, if you've ever had pictures with God, they're just so... Uh, radiant. I don't know how else to describe them, but like inside of this flower, there was um, glitter and light. And it was actually representing what was now for me to carry forward. I wasn't supposed to carry this root of failure with me anymore, right? I was supposed to carry this gorgeous yellow flower with me. And so I did. And I mean, this is all in my mind, you know, working with him, but I'm, I'm, I turned around and started walking forward into this very lush grass and I'm carrying this flower. And man, I'm telling you, it was like a moment of, Oh God, I'm receiving everything. <laughs> like everything you want me to understand about where it feels like failure has been before. And I'm telling you, this is so good because as I was, just thinking about this and going into like other trainings that I'm in right now and just connecting to God through it all. I was in this one training and, and this guy actually was talking another mentor I have. He was talking about failure. He was talking about the years and years of failure that he had experienced and, you know, trying something and it didn't work. And, you know, I'm sitting here going, that's weird. Like I literally just talked to God about that. That was my thought. And I'm stepping forward into, you know, okay, so now my life can look different. Like I can step forward without having the feel of failure. I mean, it wasn't that I was actually failing anywhere right now. It, I mean, I could be. I mean, there really could be things that 
that are not going well. But to have that overwhelming feeling of failure was what God freed me from. And as I'm listening to this mentor, oh man, it was so good. And I wanted to, to say this here really quick, uh, because this takes us right into what it is for our kingdom topic today. But um, if we can change the narrative, we can change the outcome. And it really stuck with me. It was like, you know, the narrative that I have inside around failure has been that, you know, no matter what I do, no matter what success I have, no matter what God accomplishes in my life, it's always going to feel like failure because I'm going to lose something in the process. You know, I'm going to say goodbye to something. And so I'm telling you, this was like a wow kind of moment, how God was connecting all this together for me. Okay, so... I want to take us into um, Mark. And I know that sometimes, you know, you read something in scripture and you're like, okay, Jesus, that's a little intense. Like the way you're saying that or how you're talking about that just feels so intense. But I want to take us into Mark because there's something really special about what is happening here for the disciples and how Jesus is meeting them. Uh, but let me pray for us so I can so I can actually uh, shift you also into this great teaching. Okay, God, thank you so much for, you know, seeing us beyond our own failures, seeing for the things that that we are becoming, that you know, we actually are in front of you. And it takes our mind and our ears and our will to understand it. You know, it's like our heart can be in the right place, but these other things don't understand sometimes what it is you see about us. And so, God, today I pray that you shift that, like you would shift it in our mind and our ears and our will. Like we would sense this happening as you are showing us uh, your perspective and how you do it. So bless the listeners today, like through this story, but through the things that you want to keep doing. Thank you for being a God of restoration. Like, thank you that you see us um, in a restored place all the time, even before we see it. So thank you for doing that for us and calling us um, into those blessed places. Uh, would we hear you today clearly around this in Jesus name? Amen. Okay, so <laughs> I want to talk to you about Mark 9, and it's actually um, 38 through 50. Now, what's real interesting about this section of scripture is that a lot of people read this section and assume a lot of negative <laughs> things that Jesus is saying, like that he is speaking negatively to the disciples. And I want to take us back a little bit um, before we actually get started into this. But um, right before, so in uh, Mark 9, 33, this is where Jesus is coming to the disciples and he notices that they have had some disagreements. <laughs> uh, but he's not like in the middle of it. So he wasn't, you know, there to prove that he heard them. But he was asking them, hey, tell me a little bit about what you all were disputing, is the word. And um, and they actually didn't say anything that says they kept peace, like they kept quiet. They weren't saying anything. Um, but he knew that they were talking to each other about who was going to be the greatest. And then Jesus has a response, you know. Uh, basically, if you desire to be the greatest, then you actually need to be the last. You need to be a servant, right? Okay, so this is kind of a perspective. Now, let me take you back a little bit further. Now, 
this is where a little bit of the failure is going to come in. And then I want us to jump into how Jesus responds to all this. But if you go into earlier parts of chapter nine, this is the point where uh, there was a, a lot of people just kind of gathered around and the disciples were right there. And it says there were scribes right there. And Jesus comes up and to see what was going on. And one of this, the scribes starts talking and tells him that he has a son who has a deaf and dumb spirit and then goes through basically how this little kid is treated by the spirit. And it's really kind of amazing because it's the phrase, you know, where um, I believe, but help my unbelief. It actually comes from that section where, you know, this man is speaking directly to Jesus and Jesus is saying, do you believe that I can do this for your son? And the man in tears, I mean, can't you feel the emotion of just talking to Jesus about somebody that you love that is in, you know, moments of torture or, you know, just moments of just real hardship. And you hear Jesus saying to you, listen, on on that person's behalf, if you believe I'm going to do it for you. And I mean, I can feel the power in that, like the emotion behind that this story for some reason, just really brings emotion to me. And so I'm sharing that with you too. But, well, you know, what it means that Jesus is speaking to this man directly. And he's doing that because this man is the one who came. And, and basically, Jesus came to the crowd, but he was the one that spoke up. And so Jesus is, is kind of honing in on the fact that this man is connected to Jesus in a way that he knows to ask him. Like he knows to come to him and he knows to ask him, right? And so the disciples are there. Lots of people are there by this point. And Jesus ends up, ends up um, telling the spirit to leave. Like it's just really gorgeous and said not to come back in him. And then the little boy lied there and they thought he was dead because of how much um, it took from him even to leave his body. And um, and then Jesus goes to him and and holds his hand and it says it right, you know, Jesus raises him up. And I mean, that was so beautiful. Like the lifting up of this boy who has had such struggle, right? Okay. Now all this has happened and the disciples are like really blown away because they had been in that environment with that man and that boy um, and weren't able to do anything to help him on a spiritual level. And so after Jesus did this for the boy, the disciples are with him and it says they're with him, you know, quietly, like they're, they're kind of away from the crowd right now. And they ask him, why couldn't we do that? You know, which tells you that they have been able to help people spiritually um, who needed deliverance. Like, I mean, it's kind of a, wow, they're, they already have done this before, but for some reason they couldn't help this boy. And so they are spending time with Jesus and Jesus is like, hey, listen, this is kind of a particular situation that really needs prayer and fasting in order for that deliverance to happen. Okay, so I, I wanted to take you back into those scenarios because the disciples in their in what had happened, they had failed. They had failed an experience that maybe they hadn't failed before. And they were really um like blown away that they couldn't do this. Like God, they've done it before, you know, they've had power in Jesus before, they have delivered other people before, but the fact that they couldn't do it this time and 
I mean, it's funny to think, and it really needed Jesus. Like it really needed Jesus himself, the power of Jesus himself to actually um, heal and resurrect this boy. I mean, it's really beautiful, but um, they were really thrown off by this because at this point, you know, they wanted to be able to carry the power of Jesus and um, and he had given them permission to do that. So it's kind of a little bit of a stumbling spot here. Like, and it's interesting, like when you think about failure and what it does, I mean, for me, it was around loss. You know, for the disciples right now, it's actually around something that they couldn't succeed in. You know, something that they thought they were good at and they actually couldn't do this time. And it was in front of lots of people. So, you know, it was a place of failure. So it's interesting. So keep that in your mind, kind of as they are going through the rest of this time frame here with Jesus. So they, you know, really get tripped up about now who is the greatest <laughs> after that. So you can see what failure is actually um, pinpointing in them. They experience failure. So then now uh, there's other places that maybe they need to feel better in themselves. And and so now who's going to be the greatest? And it's funny how that this is showing that leap inside of them, you know, going from they've experienced failure and now uh, they need to find out who's going to be the greatest among them. But, you know, it's funny because this line, it, it actually goes right into this next section. But so in 38, this is where John says, um, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name um, and he followeth not us. And we forbade him because he followeth not us. And then Jesus, you know, um, has this great response. Forbid him not, uh, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. Um, for he that is not against us is on our part. And then this is great. And he just keeps going into basically, uh, don't worry about that guy. Like, we're, we're not going to be against that guy. You know, the fact that um, he is doing something in my name and it's actually working, uh, we're going to let him do that. So we're not going to stop him. And, you know, I want to say this. It's just really impressive how, you know, Jesus sets this up. But the guys are still struggling with the first failure. Can you hear it? Like, can you hear that? The first failure as disciples, when they were experiencing um, a little boy who needed deliverance and they could not do that, no matter what they tried, nothing was happening to help this boy. And so they were experiencing failure inside. Like they could, you know, really say, okay, tangibly this happened and I could not do it into an argument about who is the greatest because they were stirred up. They On the inside, failure was hitting a place of pride for them. And so now they were actually needing to <laughs> conquer that. They were wanting to come up against this place that felt weak. So they wanted to go find something that made them feel better about themselves. And they, they started this argument because they wanted to talk about who was the greatest. And, and then from there, 
What is still on their mind? Well, John brings up the fact that there is a guy who succeeded in doing this very thing that they had not been able to accomplish just a little bit ago. And, um, but he didn't look like them. He didn't talk like them. He didn't follow them. And, you know, I read this great article about this section and it's funny because what is happening here is now the failure that the disciples were experiencing was being challenged, right? And so they were looking at somebody else saying, how can they be doing that basically, when they don't look anything like us, they haven't gone on the journey that we have, you know, and you're sitting here making assumptions about someone else and their success. And it's really personal. Can you hear it? Like, you know, when it comes to kingdom topics and, and wanting to understand how God is taking care of us, <laughs> he knows us. He knows us as humans. He knows that we are um, very creative and we actually are very sensitive and he knows these things about us. So when they combine together with all these creative thoughts and these abilities that we have, but then you connect it to where we're sensitive, you know, all the things we view and perceive completely change. You know, if, if the disciples had not failed um, in this moment with that little boy, would they actually be looking at the guy who was successful any differently? They might, because it was just at that time. If it had happened earlier when there was success, you know, in something they had experienced where they were helping others and that was such a, a huge passion of theirs, you know, then it really could have been something totally different. But it's not. And this is so good because Jesus starts using very intense language here, like almost like, how are you even describing that to me? And I mean, you've heard this before, but this is a place where he says, you know, it'd be better to have that millstone to hang around the neck than to be cast into the sea, right? Oh, and cast into the sea. And he is saying, you know, don't offend one of these little ones, because if you do, it's actually worse for you than if you had a millstone around your neck and were thrown into the sea. If your hand offends you, cut it off, because it's better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands go into hell, right? I mean, whoa, what he's saying here is so intense, talking about if the foot offends thee, right, cut it off. It's better for thee to enter into life than having two feet than to be cast into hell. What is he saying here? What is Jesus saying here? Like, what is the kingdom perspective? Why is he coming so with intense language to the disciples at this point? Is it because these disciples are really... um that far off? Or is it the fact that Jesus is saying to them something else? And I want to bring up that there could be something else going on here. It's really, really good. Actually, in another version, I'm in the King James, but in another version, it says it would be better for you. So it'd be better for you to do this instead of offend this child. It would be better for you to cut off that arm or that hand or that foot, right? Take out that eye, then to walk into hell with these things. So what is he saying? If something is better for you, then that would mean Jesus has a perspective here. The disciples can't 
really receive. And it's because they are still covered in the failure of what they had just experienced um, a little earlier in the crowd, what they could not do. And so Jesus is saying, hey, listen, instead of looking at that guy who is successful, I'd like for you to look inside. I want you to turn and look for sight because it's better for you. Like it's better for you as kingdom people to look inside. What is something that you actually want to be the best in when it comes to, you know, your accomplishments for that day or, you know, how you're showing the light of Christ or, you know, what it would mean that you're connecting to somebody in your work environment and you are giving them hope for that day. Like look inside. What are the things that you actually are in charge of? Because you know what? Everybody else around here, you're not in charge of that. Like, and I want you to really watch so you're not offending other people. But do you know that you can do things that offend yourself? And and it was in this great article that I was reading. But as I read this scripture, it made sense. Because this is what Jesus is saying to the disciples. I want you to focus inside. Make sure that what you're doing is you are not going and getting offended about what is happening that somebody else is doing. And that you're not doing things to offend each other. That you are doing what it takes inside to be your best to look like me <laughs> and if there isn't something that looks like Jesus then it is our job to come to him and ask him and then to take care of it and that's what this was this whole section that sometimes really gets a negative rap um, is something that Jesus is saying very personally I want you to understand that when you experience failure, it is not meant to dictate your perspective from here. You're not supposed to look at yourself in a place of failure. You're not supposed to see yourself um, in that place anymore. And so I want to just bless you with that. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Kingdom Radio. We want you connected to kingdom topics that move and shape your week. God's voice brings me joy and real connection to Him and the places where I need peace in the moment. I want you to experience God's voice the way that I have and let Him confirm direction or next steps in your life. You won't regret learning how to fine-tune what you hear from heaven. Get this exclusive offer at ltkradio.com. Look for the Lifetime Membership tab and click on the mini course called Direction in Detail. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Kingdom. What a joy to talk about risking on God's voice and the power that you have inside. You are welcome to come and visit us on our website at ltkradio.com. Thanks again for connecting to Let's Talk Kingdom Radio. We will see you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.